This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome back. Sensei Michelle here with another episode of Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Of course, I'm here with Sensei Jackie and Landon. Hi. Hello. And I'm also with Sensei Tracy. Boy, are we old friends. Yes, Sensei. I can't even tell you how long she's been in karate because it boggles my mind to think of it. She's a high-ranking black belt in Goju Federation, and she's a writer and publisher on her own right. She runs a company called Rock Press. Get in touch with me if you'd like to hear more about that. You can also look it up on rock-press. Yes. Not underscore, but dash. Correct. She's also the mother of Sam Silverberg, who is also with us. Sam has been in karate since before he was born, and I've known him since that time. <laughs> He's an aspiring actor, musician. He's a fine martial artist and a black belt in his own right. And just two months ago, he got back from spending six months in China, where he stayed and immersed himself in Kung Fu. And that is why we are here. I want to hear all about it. Hi, Sam. Hi, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. That was awesome. <laughs> Everything was true. Yeah. I didn't lie at all or even embellish. I feel a lot more confident about myself now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Spending six months in China might have done that. I think so. So that's our background. My first question is, what gave you the idea? What sparked the idea of doing that kind of immersion? Can I use that word immersion? Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Well, my mom tells me that it's because I met this lady named, um, what was her name? Cynthia Rothrock. Cynthia Rothrock. She was like a famous oh, you actress. Oh, you met Cynthia Rothrock? Yeah. I, I'm familiar because she was from my time period of going out to open tournament. Oh, so you met her in an open tournament or you saw uh, her? She would come around. She wouldn't meet the peons like me. That's really, mm -hmm. well, okay. I was going to say cool, but you know, <laughs> no, it was cool. It was yeah, really cool. It is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So my uncle is, uh, in the martial art world. So he had a lot of martial, like famous martial artists come to his house and I was at his house at the time. And I met her and she told me that she once went to China and went to a, a monastery or a Kung Fu school and trained. And um, I guess that sparked an interest in me. But I mean, I think that I've had that interest for a long time growing up watching these Kung Fu movies with Bruce Lee. I mean, I used to have Bruce Lee poster. I have a Bruce Lee poster in my room still. And I, I used to wear Bruce Lee shirts. I remember I went to Universal Studios and got a, a Photoshop image of my face on Bruce, Bruce Lee's body. So like, <laughs> I've, just, so cool. I've always been into Kung Fu and martial arts, of course, because I've been doing it in the womb, you know. That is so cool. A few weeks ago, we aired a podcast about the anticipation and the anxiety of right before you do something. Mm. Well, that's what we called it firsts, anticipation and anxiety. It's like a balancing act, right? And so I want you to think back on the planning, the packing, the flying, the driving from the airport. And did you have a lot of it, of that anticipation and anxiety? Did one outweigh the other? Where, where were you on all that? Yeah, I definitely think I felt it. I, I can't really remember specifically how deep the feeling was, but I know that it was there. And I, I think I was stalling even because there are some simple things that I had to do. And I was just like begging my mom to do it for me because I didn't want to go through with it. But eventually I had to bunker down because I knew that it was what I wanted. So I just pushed myself over the edge and really decided that that's what I was going to do. And our conclusion on that podcast was that once you start the thing, all those things that happen, those butterflies in your stomach are so dissipated because you're so busy. That's absolutely true. I agree completely because uh, as an actor and musician and stuff, when I'm on stage performing in front of people before, you always get these butterflies in your stomach. And then once you go on and actually start performing, it's like everything goes away and you're in the moment and that's everything that there is. So it's, it's an incredible experience, I think. 
Okay. What was your favorite part of the trip? The favorite part of my China trip? That is an extremely difficult question to answer. <laughs> you um, can pick top three or okay. however many you need. I guess achieving a goal, finally finishing the form that I've been learning for an entire month is an incredible feeling to have. Another goal, like being able to touch your toes after not being able to do it for your entire life and because you've been stretching and pushing yourself through horrible pain every day, it's just an, another incredible feeling. I met exceptional people from all over the world, which is insane. I love that was another huge favorite part of mine, being able to, like you said, immerse yourself culturally and be with all these different people and be in a completely different area on the opposite side of the world is pretty crazy. And also I love food. So I guess that would be my top three is uh, the How achievements. How was the food? Because that's on my list. <laughs> I uh, gotta know about the food. Yeah, the food. The food was actually quite delicious. The only bad part was that we'd have the same meal repetitively five days a week, seven days a week. So a little reprieve that we would have would be going to the, the street that was like a five minute walk away from our school and having street food, which is pretty, pretty awesome. But um, the food is actually delicious in this school. It's just if it wasn't for the repetition, it would have been the best you could so dream of. So since you ate it every night, what was it? So every day for breakfast, the breakfast is the worst part because all you get is two hard-boiled eggs, a piece of bread, and you could also go out and buy oatmeal if you wanted and have oatmeal and a piece of fruit. And that's that was every single day. They'd also give you a little pack of soy powder, soy milk powder to mix in with whatever you wanted. That was the least, my least favorite <laughs> food part for sure. How about dinner? Dinner and lunch, we would always have white rice and we would always have chicken with um, some sort of vegetable. We would always have um, eggs mixed with either tomatoes or zucchini or something or some other vegetable. So always eggs and chicken. And then on Thursdays, it was uh, for dinner, we would have power training and we would get like a special type of dinner for power training because we pushed ourselves through such strenuous activities. So it would be some form of carb that we didn't don't usually get or like um, a nice protein. We would get fried pork, maybe, or we would get noodles, which was like the best. When we got noodles, we were so happy. Nice. And, or dumplings. Dumplings, at first, we were like, yes, dumplings, but then it got repetitive again. We were like, <laughs> ah, dumplings. We would rather, we'd rather noodles. Or fried rice. The fried rice wasn't the best. Noodles, noodles. Noodles was the best one. We would get, when we got noodles, we were all really happy. Were most of the people there somewhat like you? They were young men, or was there a lot of females, or were there a lot of ages? I guess it would be like... 80% men and 20% female, not a lot of female. I think, yeah, they were mostly around 20s, I think, and they stayed for very various times, and they're all various ages also. There's people as old as like 60, I think. There is a pretty old person. I don't remember how old he was specifically, though, but mostly, mostly my age, I would say. Okay, we take offense that you took 60 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I have written here that we should stipulate that Kung Fu forms by nature are, what are you going to say, approximately four times as long as any form that we learn? Like our forms are approximately a minute and a half. Your form was more like? The one that I, the longest form that I did was probably two minutes and 30 seconds or, yeah, I would say around then. I think it depends on the practitioner and, but it def, Kung Fu forms definitely feel a lot longer because there's a lot more, I don't want to say intricate movements, but a lot more no, strenuous movements. They're multitasking, I think. Yes. The body lot. is going in two different directions 
the, the, I like the term multitasking because in Kung Fu, we talked about it when we did the comparisons. The body is just doing so many things at the same time. That beautiful circular motion is so intricate and difficult to master. Yeah, you have to have hand, eye, and foot coordination, and they have to be do, being able to do different things at the same time. It's definitely definitely interesting hurdle to go over. Did they use any kind of electronics to video and let you watch your progress, or was it all old school? We were allowed to video. Sometimes the master would say no, but usually we'd just be able to do it. And usually you, we wouldn't be able to video the master. He would usually say no for that, but we would always be able to videotape ourselves doing it. So that was completely fine. We use video in the school, and we let the kids, we let the parents video the kids so they can practice at home, and we ask the parents to just not post. Just don't post the stuff on social media, that's all we ask. But we use it as a regular training tool. Without it, I just don't see how they could get the repetition in that they need. I watch my forums almost, like, at least once a week, definitely more than once a week. That is so modern. We always had to do it with paper and pen, go back to our notes, and Mm. I use both now because I have both. I want to talk about the power day, Thursdays. Did they use machines? No. I guess there there were machines, but the master would usually do calisthenics. So rotating Thursdays, we'd go to the mountain, and there's like a thousand stairs that we would have to just run up, and we usually race to see who would get up and go down the fastest. And then that was just the warm-up, which was insane to me. So we'd go up the thousand stairs, then race down the thousand stairs, and then after that, once everybody got finish we would go to a different staircase and race up and down that one we would do bunny hops on each individual staircase we would uh, do it with one foot and then do it with the other foot and then we would do wheelbarrows like climbing up the stairs and then climbing down the stairs we would do spider crawls which would just go down on your hands and knees going up and then going down going down at doing a spider crawl was like almost impossible I, I couldn't do it I could only do like a few you know it was actually more difficult than that was doing like a reverse spider crawl so oh. you would go going up feet like feet first on on all fours. I I I went up like five stairs and I was done. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I found myself uh, unfortunately quitting way earlier than anybody else in doing power training, which was really sad for my psyche. But uh, every time I would go a little bit further, which was good. I think I would push myself more and more, which is really satisfying. Sad for your psyche, but excellent for balancing ego in everyday life. Absolutely. It's just there's no lesson like it than having somebody beside you who is stronger and somebody beside you who is not stronger. So you can see that life is a variance and you are you are only compared to you. Absolutely. That's the trick, but staying like that day in and day out, keeping that focus line, that's a, that is a magic trick right there. Absolutely. If you can get it. All right. Was there any parts of the trip that were your least favorite? Hmm. Well, we had a really, really hard bed. That was probably my one of my least favorite things. So it was just like a pieces of wood and then a very thin straw mattress about two inches and then one very, very small piece of uh, cotton cushion that was like less than an inch. It was it was absolutely awful. And we would sleep on that every day after being tortured in training. So it was, it was not fun. But the most... The worst part of it was being away from my family, for sure. Being away from my, the people that I loved was the worst part of the trip, without a doubt. Do you guys get to FaceTime 
and yeah, things like that. We, we did, did, but it wasn't it wasn't enough to satiate my loneliness. I think not the to same. be honest. Yeah, I mean, I had awesome people that surrounded me every day, but you know, going through probably the hardest time you've almost ever been through in your entire life, and not having your the support system that you've been using your entire ex- existence is pretty tough. Did they but, get you up at dawn? We so it depends on if you wanted to go to Tai Chi in the morning. If you got up for Tai Chi, you would probably get up at like six o'clock in the morning. And if you wanted breakfast, then you have to get up before seven. So it depends on what you wanted. Did they do lights out at dark? Yeah, I think so. Sometimes we'd have a curfew. They would do room checks uh, like twice a week, something like that. On weekends, they would close the gate to the school so you wouldn't be able to get out and get back in. Actually, every day, every day, they would close the gate so you, it'd be a curfew, so you have to be inside the school. Were you in a city or out in the country? It was out in the country. It was like 30 minutes away from a city, which is kind of cool. So, did they have conversations about Kung Fu philosophy at all? Did they talk to you, or is it strictly from the standpoint of, let's get this physical work done, let's get our body strong, let's learn this kata? So on Thursdays, instead of Tai Chi, sometimes they would do a, uh, a theory lesson and they would, te- they would talk about Kung Fu philosophy or Tai Chi philosophy or any of the other, like Wing Chun, any of the other forms of martial arts that they did there. Unfortunately, whenever I went, the, the translations from the translator from Chinese to English was not the best, so it was really hard to really grasp the concepts that they were talking about. And also, I've been doing martial arts since I was three years old, and I think that our system is so heavily influenced by philosophy that it was all stuff that I already kind of grasped at a younger age, so it wasn't really something that was, you know, hiring my level of understanding. I'm just finding all this fascinating. Yes. I really am. I'm sure you've heard all these stories before, right? Absolutely. (laughs) What you didn't mention, which I think bears repeating, is your start to the trip. Oh, yeah, the start to my trip was absolute nightmare, if you want to get into it. Go ahead. So initially, I wanted to stay for an entire year, and my dream dream was to be at the Shaolin Temple. So I found a school that was as close to the Shaolin Temple as I could get, which was in this little village that was right next to the Shaolin Temple. And you have to go up this little street ramp thing to go to the go to the little town. It was like two streets, basically. That was the entirety of the entire town. And it was like, I don't know, very, very, very small. So we, we get there at, I don't know, like 10 p.m. and it was pitch black, maybe even later. And I get to the room and the room is nothing like it showed online. It was two bunk beds and there is no, no desk and there is no place where I could put my clothes. So I'd have to be living out of my bag. And I plan on staying there for a year. So it would be awful to have to live out of my bag for an entire year. And the place, if I could describe the smell, like, I, I just wish I'd be able to show you how bad it smelled. It was, it was incredibly disgusting. And the bathroom was even worse. The bathroom in there was horrendous. And it was just dilapidated and a horrible, horrible experience. So the next morning was the first day of training. We get breakfast and the breakfast was pretty uh, awful. But I was kind of enjoying the experience. I was like, oh my God, I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm in China. I'm doing Kung Fu. Like, I didn't really care about the food. I was like, I was just so happy to be there. But then we went towards the training grounds, and to get to the training grounds, we had to go through this little small wooded area, and I kid you not, the wooded path was lined with feces. It was disgusting. Oh my god. It was horrendous. It smelled so bad, I couldn't even understand. I had no idea what animal did this, or maybe it was humans. It was absolutely horrible. And we get 
to the training ground and it's just like this mat on on the ground and there's just it was just kids it was just kids that are like 18 and under and they're the ones that are teaching me and I've been doing this for you know since I was three years old so it was it wasn't it wasn't a good place to be like I knew I had more experience than them and I didn't want to be taught by people that I had less that I had more experience than so I knew that that was somewhere that I had to I had to leave and luckily my mom was convincing me the entire time to leave because she knew that it was such a horrible experience but I was so filled with you know despair because I've been planning this for at least two years to go to China and and uh, be on this trip and the whole trip was crumbling in my hands and I could feel it and it was just completely horrible. And then my mom was trying to get me and she can continue the story from here when you tried to come get me. Oh, yeah, that was awful. When I tried to get him out of the school, they wouldn't let me into the complex. So that alone took a solid hour of, of going back and forth with Chinese translations and the school. And basically they were holding him hostage for money. They were trying to extort money. Sure. Um, so that that was awful. But but I think the important part for Sam was that he had to realize that though this was his dream, sometimes dreams take another form. And you have to say goodbye to the thought of, I'm going to be at the Shaolin Temple and train and not throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. So there's another place in China that he found which was the school he ended up at. Okay, so the takeaway here is that the one, even though you didn't end up at the Shaolin Temple, the, the school that was close to it turned out to just be the dregs. Yeah, it was And it was you guys horrible. found another school within, was it Correct. within the whole country of China or was it near where you were? It was, in the, it was in the whole country. It was in a whole other part of China. It was in the city where Confucius was born. It was about five hours away from us by That's car. That's what I was going to say. So you guys had to do all that traveling. We did. We wow. Did. Luckily, I did a lot of research before coming. And initially, I didn't want to go to the school because I thought it would be like, a, it was a school for foreigners. So I thought it would be kind of placating towards the foreigners and trying to and be softer than what I imagined the Shaolin Temple to be. You know, in the Shaolin Temple, they literally break staffs over their students. And that's kind of what I wanted because, you know, I've lived a, a life of basically no responsibility. And I wanted I wanted to grow into a better person. And that's what I wanted it to be. But I think I got just the right amount of discipline from the school that I went to. I mean, my teacher was literally a wushu champion, number one in all of China. I, I feel so lucky to have to have had that opportunity to be taught by someone that was literally the top like he was basically an olympian in in china so i thought that was incredible and my That's other exciting. and my other teacher was a genuine shaolin warrior monk the the person the headmaster of the school he came straight from the shaolin temple so i got i it's like the hand that fed me was what i wanted it's really exciting that is a heck of a story yikes Ooh. did you come away thinking that the two styles goju and kung fu complemented each other I absolutely believe that they complemented each other because I could see myself uh, far more ahead than the beginners that were there with me. And maybe because I have a performative background also as an actor, like I could tell the difference in my rendition of the forms that I was taught versus the students that were taught the forms beside me. Uh, I was also able to, I think, progress in the forms a lot faster than other people. Unfortunately, I had, I was in a group, so I had to kind of stagnate with them, even though I was more physically and mentally prepared than the other people. But I think that's also a good lesson: is that you should take it slow and steady, and eventually, like the tortoise and the hare, you you get you win the race. Well, and it goes to what you were saying about the stairs. You know, where you had an advantage in the fact that you'd been a martial artist all your life, and so therefore forms made more sense to you early on. Absolutely. Somebody else, I'm just going to say, was a marathon runner. Exactly. Then there was. There was people that ran marathon. And marathons. therefore they had that physicality going Absolutely. in. Did you do any sparring or any um, self-defense? 
Yes, there's a, a form of self-defense that the Shaolin warrior monks use, and it's called China. It's Q-I-N-N-A, I believe. And there is a lot of similarities between the the Goju self-defense system in China. Unfortunately, I didn't get super deep into China, but I think it was pretty cool to, to learn what I what I did. I just am finding this whole thing fascinating. I just wrote <laughs> China down to go research it when I get home. That's yeah, Q-I-N-N-A. All right. Any thoughts on it that you want to add before we close it out? Because I these are the questions I had. I hope they worked. I just I really am so excited because I, I've loved hearing all about it. And I love the way that you bring it to life. Hmm. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking interest in, in my experience. I'm happy that you invited me here. Were you the only American at the at the school? No, there's other Americans oh. there. Like it was amazing because every single foreigner there spoke English. So I, really? I was yeah, wow. it was incredible. That's, that is amazing. You no, know, it's kind of funny because there is um, people from Spanish-speaking countries, so I actually learned more Spanish than I did Chinese there. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, Chinese, more Spanish than Mandarin. It's pretty funny. That's awesome. That's cool. So you'd do something like that again? I want to do it again, actually. And same school, different style? Do you have it in your head? Um, I would either do the same school or I would go to Thailand and do the um, Tiger Muay Thai, Whoa. which would be incredible. Yes, that would be incredible. And now is the time to go. While your body still has recovery time in it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You could go. We are not going. No. (laughs) Okay. Before we say goodbye, let's do a little advertising. Are you interested in having some Wildcat Dojo swag? Ooh. (laughs) Swag. We have some t-shirts. We have some dog tags. We have some water bottles. And they're all on a store called Cafe Press. And there we are also called Wildcat Dojo, all one word. Please check it out. So this is the part where we all say goodbye one at a time. We're going to start with you, Sam. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. And thank you, Sensei Sam, for being here. What an enjoyable time. This was very interesting. Bye, everybody. I'm signing off until next week.